Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Irrational Confidence, a basketball podcast created by three dudes who love basketball and, just like their favorite players, have the irrational confidence to let every take fly. Here you'll find weekly episodes on league news and transactions, team updates and performances, and fun debates on our favorite NBA topics. My name is Lino, and I'm joined by our hosts, Kaylin and Micah. We hope you enjoy this episode, and thank you for tuning in. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome into the sixth episode of the Irrational Confidence Podcast. We're excited about this show today. We have a lot of fun topics to go over, some fun kind of thought-provoking prompts, we'll say, about how our observations have started to shape out over the first couple weeks of the season. Of course, my name is Micah, and I'm joined, as always, by my fellow hosts, Lino and Kalen. There's a lot of fun games this week. There's a lot of crazy narratives going on, so we're going to cover a little bit of everything. Um, At the top of the show, we're just going to run through a couple news and notes. Um, There wasn't a ton of craziness compared to last week where we had a massive James Harden trade. There was a couple injuries, unfortunately. Um, CJ McCollum uh, suffered a collapsed lung for the second time in his career, which is uh, sad and hope, you know, shouts out to CJ. Hope everything goes well. I believe last time he missed around 18 games. So hopefully it will be that or even less. Um, The in-season tournament debuted. That has happened since our last episode. Mm -hmm. And James Harden has played his first game as a Clipper. So, Lino, I'll throw it to you first, whether it was CJ, the in-season tournament, Harden, whatever it may be. Um, did any of the kind of news and notes from the last week or so stand out to you? Yeah, I think I was pleasantly surprised by the in-season tournament debut. I thought it was a really fun slate of games. I mean, besides the Miami Heat versus the Wizards, a lot of those games were close and came down to the wire. And we saw guys really competing, as I guess we could assume they would do in a regular season basketball game. Um, But I thought the courts were fun to talk about. Not all of them were good, and some of them were pretty uh, much an eyesore at times. But some of them were really well executed, just like jerseys are every year. And it just uh, had uh, allowed for some really interesting conversations around uh, this new idea in the league. I always love when decision makers in my favorite things, whether that be basketball, video games, games movies music uh try to do things differently and just try to add little wrinkles uh, to refresh something that is such a great pastime for all of us so it was cool to just see this actually hit the floor and get started um the funniest thing i saw was just that none of the players seem to understand what's going on i figured maybe the league would do a better job of getting them to be champions of this thing before really anything else, because that's really going to sell it. I mean, obviously they were out there competing really well and that's the biggest selling point is that it's going to be fun basketball to watch. Um, But ideally you would hope the league would do a better job of getting these guys all on the same page and knowing what was going on. And I'm sure it's just a busy season and the guys are just focused on winning basketball games and uh, doing their jobs. So I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I did find that slightly comical, if not a little bit concerning. Um, But uh, overall thought it was some good games. Um, As far as CJ, we hope he gets better. Um, It's always crazy when you see a player have a, recurring injury as severe as this one and so hope to see him heal really fast and get back on the basketball floor uh nice and healthy 
Uh, yeah, definitely really sucks to see CJ go down um, with an injury like that. Uh, very serious one. Hope he is okay and can get back to the core. It really sucks for the Pels as well, who have had uh, pretty much have been snake bitten with the injury luck. They've had a lot of guys go down uh, this year and just in previous years. And they look like when they are healthy that they're a really, really strong basketball team and I really want to see those guys healthy. So uh, definitely get well soon, CJ. And then the in-season basketball tournament, I just want to talk about the courts because I really enjoyed the courts. And I was disappointed because I, I listen to a lot of different podcasts and stuff. I kind of consume everything that way. And a lot of the media was kind of negative on, on the courts and the jerseys. And I get it. It's not going to be for everyone. Um, but I think basketball media is kind of negative in general. And I thought it sucked because True. I, I, <laughs> I thought the courts were, were really cool. The um, Oklahoma city um, had a really cool one. I, I mean, all the blue courts to me were, were really awesome. I thought, I thought that that blue looked pretty uh, good on the basketball court. And I thought the, that Miami heats uh, red was kind of cool. Although I could see how the red could turn some people off, but I, I enjoyed the red, the, the Chicago bulls overdid it with the, the red on burgundy, but um, I, I still liked a lot of the different um, courts, so I thought that was fun, uh, but that's about it. No, I'm with you. Yeah, I thought the courts were really cool, and I think the whole point of them is you never have to wonder if you're watching an in-season tournament game because there's a huge, bright color screaming at you from your TV screen. So, like, I was watching um, the last Heat game with uh, my grandmother and she was like is this an in-season tournament game and I was like no that's the ones with the crazy courts like if you see that you know it is she's like oh okay perfect and I feel like at the baseline level that's the point of them is just to make the games feel different and yeah I thought I thought they looked cool it was honestly a little trippy watching a game and you kind of get used to the it being different and then it like it would cut to a camera angle that was like court level and you're just seeing the guys from straight on and you don't see the court and you're like, oh, yeah, this is still a normal basketball game just being played on this, like, crazy-looking crazy looking court. But, yeah, I thought they were cool. I enjoyed them. And, you know, it's not an every game thing. So I thought it was cool. To Shout out fair, to Meemaw, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say, to be fair to Meemaw, uh, the Miami Heat's regular court is, is kind of odd. They, they got the, <laughs> the, the painted area thing going on. It's, mm -hmm. a, little, it's a little cheesy. Yeah, that's okay, another thing. Okay, that's, a, <laughs> that's another thing that I've been like. I think I had to recalibrate how I think of things because, yeah, I saw like I saw some people like verbatim say that the Heat Culture Court was the worst court ever, and and I don't even know how you would like like who has those rankings. Like, surely there's something worse. Um, but all the fans or a lot of the fans, I think, like it. I and loved it. Yeah, I thought it was really <laughs> cool. And we're Heat fans. So mission accomplished. Like, I feel like yeah. a lot of people get caught up in like, oh, it has to have mass appeal. When first and foremost, at least it's for the fans of the team. And then there's stuff that crosses over just that everybody loves, like with Miami, with the Vice stuff, like everybody loved that. But I think, you know, as long as the team likes it, even if it's cringy to everybody else, like if the mm -hmm. fans like it, you know, I think I think you did the job well enough. One game we'll do kind of a deep dive recap into. Uh, we're not recording an episode of Homer's Podacy this week. We'll be back next week, but we'll have a, a bit of a Homer's Podacy uh, segment here because the Lakers and the Heat played. So, of course, if any podcast was going to cover that game, it would be Irrational Confidence. 
So a lot of different ways we can look at this one. I'm excited to ask Kalen some questions about what I saw from the Lakers. I'm sure he has some thoughts about what he saw from the Heat. Um, it was played in Miami. Miami won 108-107. Uh, favorite fun fact of the game for me uh, is in the last two minutes and 39 seconds, neither team scored. So it was 108-107 with two minutes and 39 seconds left, and it was 108-107 when the game ended. So there's a lot to take away from this one. Kalen, I'll throw it to you first. Just what were your general takeaways and what were your thoughts coming away from this game? Uh, yeah, so Lakers um, started the game with eight available players, and they ended the game with uh, just six uh, because Anthony Davis um, went out uh, late in the second quarter, uh, with what they were saying was a, a hip spasm or a groin spasm. Uh, this is something to do with, with the uh, abductor, really. And uh, D'Angelo Russell was tossed with a double tech. I think it was. It was. It was really confusing what actually happened. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I wasn't sure, and I was listening to podcasts today, like, like trying to figure out what actually happened with that. Um, so uh yeah, D'Angelo Russell was tossed. So that yeah, left him with just six players to end the game. Um, and that's kind of just been the story of the Lakers season um to be, to begin and really the story of Miami season as well. Both of these teams trying to get healthy. I thought both of these teams really needed this game. The Lakers have not won a road game all year. Uh they're 0-4 now, and then Miami just really trying to uh, avoid falling to two and five really rough would be a really rough start. And I mean, we've heard Jimmy talk about the urgency that the Heat need to be playing with this season. So it was definitely going to be a battle. I was, I was happy at different parts of the game with with how both team played. Uh, both teams played. Um, Lakers were supposed to be focusing on rebounding this game. They gave up, I think it was nineteen offensive rebounds to the Orlando Magic last game uh, when when they were kind of blown out. So. Uh, kind of discouraging on some front, being that Bam Adebayo went crazy, uh, with uh twenty rebounds. But I still, I still thought that the team, uh, did better. Austin Reeves was um a big player on the on the uh, offensive glass. He grabbed three offensive rebounds, and it was really encouraging to see Austin Reeves bounce back as the best game of the season so far. And really, the first game where I thought kind of start to finish, Austin kind of looked like himself. Um, not a surprise when I consider some of the teams that we face the, thus far in terms of the athleticism and ball pressure that he's faced from the opposing guards. And then you look on the other side, Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero. I thought he might have a chance to kind of get off this game, which he did. Um, in the end, just couldn't get one of those shots to drop. I think one of the things I looked at after the game was the minutes log for both teams, LeBron at 37 minutes. Uh, Austin Reeves at 40 minutes. So I thought Austin Reeves looked dead at the end of the game. I thought uh, they didn't want any part of going to the rim because they just didn't have the legs. But then you also don't have the legs to hit a 24-footer. Um, so that was rough. And then same thing with Jimmy Butler, 37 minutes, and Bam Adebayo, 38 minutes. Uh, those guys did not have any legs at the, at the end of the game either. And they were settling for jump shots that – um, they were probably not going to make. Um, so that's why, Michael, you mentioned the last two and a half minutes, nobody scored. So that's kind of what I, what I saw. Um, and, of course, the officiating. I don't really like to talk about NBA officiating because I just I, – I, I don't like to be negative about the NBA, and I think that's 
I think the, the officiating is pretty bad on a consistent basis. Most games that I watch start to finish, um, I'm pretty upset with the way it was officiated. This game, the referees missed a lot of calls. You see this often, guys, when referees miss a lot of calls and the players get more and more frustrated, it it becomes a lose a lose lose situation because referees cannot lose control of the game. You, you you just can't referee that way. And when the players are kind of you know upstaging you with every single call you make, you you just can't referee that way. So they you saw them get loose with the, with the technical fouls, um, but that only kind of exacerbates the situation. So it was really kind of a rough deal, um, and it definitely affected the game. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to win regards to referees and I thought Miami just made more shots and played a little more defense in the end and that's why they won the game yeah no that's that's well put and yeah I thought you know in a one-point game you don't want to see however many like six seven technicals handed out you know with both both teams combined so that is always a sign I think like you alluded to that maybe your control is lost a little bit as an officiating crew if you're having to hand out that many texts, that means there's, you know, an underlying issue there. So, Lino, what were your takeaways from the game? Yeah, I think it's hard to take away anything from the results of this game for both teams, like Kalen mentioned, just the injuries. Um, you know, Anthony Davis was out there for 25 minutes, but I'd say 15 of those minutes he was out there fighting through injury. And so it's really hard to judge his game and his effect on the game. Um, there, the refereeing, obviously, I'm in the same boat as far as I try not to lean too much onto it because it is what it is. That's just the game we play. But it just makes it difficult to assess uh, a basketball game when you have all these, like, outlying factors besides just how people play the game. Um, but I thought there was uh, – it was good to look at kind of the middle of this game and little parts of this game and find things that were really – uh, exciting for both teams and enjoyable for both teams. Obviously, Austin Reeves uh, really kicked off tonight. Uh, of course, he does it against Tyler Hero and Kyle Lowry. Um, and so, uh, yeah, hate to see that for us, but good to see that for him. It's a player I really like and want to see him like succeed in the league. Um, as far as Miami is concerned, we really needed this one quite badly. It felt like a must-win basketball game here in like the second week of the season. And it's just good to see guys really being able to get going. I was really excited about the minutes that Haywood Highsmith got to play and his effect on the floor. I mean, he only had uh, five points, uh, a rebound, and a steal on a block. But he was a plus 10 on the floor and just very effective and very athletic and uh, was just out there doing everything he needed to do in his role. Um, good to see Jimmy kind of start to dominate a little bit more and get in control of this game i was texting micah during the game and i was like how the heck did jimmy butler get 28 points when did that happen i've been watching the whole game and i feel like i haven't seen him take a single shot uh, and he just does that sometimes like you just won't even notice when he's really uh laying his fingerprint on the game and having effect offensively but uh, he went out there and shot three for four from three and got to the line uh, and shot seven free throws and so it was very effective there obviously Bam Adebayo, incredible game. I think I think I saw somewhere the only Miami Heat player to do uh, 20, 20, and 10. Like, it's just never been done before. 
for this organization and for an organization that's had the caliber of players that we've had, that's just insane to be able to do something no one's done before for this team. Um, so just great to see him really flourish and have a great game. Obviously, again, you know, it's hard to judge those things when the person you're doing them against are injured or doesn't play that many minutes. And we're playing a team with pretty much six players out there. So a lot of things had to go right for this one to happen for us. And so it's hard to feel amazing about it. I'm just glad we were still able to get it done. As you can see, our fourth quarter woes have not ended and we were definitely in a position to lose this one. Um, and so well, I'm glad we won. I don't feel too much better about how we did it, given that we couldn't really close this game out when we had the opportunities to. Um, but over, overall, happy to see that we can win games and, you know, a win is a win. Yeah, definitely. I, I felt the same way as they were kind of losing their lead in the fourth quarter. I, it never really occurred to me that it, it had occurred to me we could lose, but in that way, again, like that fashion mm-hmm. to lose another fourth quarter lead, I was like, man, sure. Especially after the AD injury, because he had caused so many issues for Miami's players. Like there are so many drives where guys immediately touched the paint and just dribbled out or dribbled around. Um, but overall, yeah, really fun game to watch. Uh, Miami continues the pattern. Like I think they averaged 30 points a quarter through the first three quarters and then didn't break 20 in the fourth. So that's something they got to clean up. I think the bench rotation they start the fourth quarter with is a lot to blame for that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think, Please. Yeah, I, I think they might need to tinker with that. And when that bench unit um, includes Caleb Martin, hopefully sometime soon, uh, that will amplify it a lot. You'll have another plus defender out there and a good um, driver that could hopefully create shots for other people. My other favorite aspect about this game, and, and this was something I was watching going in, is Jimmy Butler is very um I'm trying to think of the politest way to say this. He's just like an aggressive personality and he is very self-confident and he doesn't really um uh, bend to the will of many other people. He's a very strong-willed person, but one person I feel like consistently throughout Jimmy's career that he's really revered and regarded um in a great light is LeBron. I think back to Chicago, like that was one of his first like big moments in the NBA was when he was a first or second year player and Tibbs put him on LeBron when he was in Miami. And I think ever since then, I mean, every interview he refers to him as arguably the greatest player ever. And I knew he'd be up for this matchup and they talked pregame. They talked, you know, glowingly about each other postgame. So I just think it's really cool, Um, especially it's funny in contrast to how Jimmy treats other star players like he treats them as like a challenge and i I think he treats lebron (laughs) almost more as a measuring stick you know he really sees him as as being the greatest ever and he wants to see kind of how he stacks up whereas whether it's somebody like Giannis or you know jason tatum or all these different guys he's faced off in the playoffs those guys are very mortal yeah he's like this is a challenge i'm gonna prove that i'm another level above these guys and and Mm -hmm. that feels more like ego jimmy kind of checking back in to be like no i'm (laughs) here but with lebron he really seems to have a cool perspective and and so it's just always fun to watch them interact and you know they've had a lot of battles over the years now so it's it's cool to see them get to get together like this always trying to appreciate that um i did have one question um there's a lot we could go over but Kalen, I wanted to ask you, uh, as an opposing fan watching the Heat, what stands out about, if anything, about Kyle Lowry to you? Oh, <laughs> oh, Kyle Lowry. 
Um, what did he do? Two for six, five points. Um, Kyle Lowry, he's just one of those guys. Um, you kind of forget he's out there. To be completely honest, um, he's not. He's. I feel like he's a lot less effective in the starting lineup, um, than he is when he kind of comes off the bench, mm-hmm. um, and and gives uh the the heat a jolt. Um, I think that. Yeah, I think that Miami definitely needs to upgrade that spot this is i think uh last game um miami brooklyn i pointed out that the big three all had 20 plus and nobody else cracked 10 this game duncan gave you guys 12 uh but another game with the big threes all over 20 and then kind of no one else really even comes along i know you guys have a couple injuries both of these teams trying to get healthy um, but still, how much can you really expect from Kevin Love coming back? Uh, Kayla Martin would be uh, very helpful coming back, but I think that you're just going to have to get probably that specific spot upgraded because I do kind of like the the Kevin Love, Highsmith kind of hybrid um, handling that, that four spot. I think they do a good job. I really like Highsmith. The shots weren't falling in the Laker game, but that's okay. He had some good looks, and he's going to be a little inconsistent, but he's, uh, he, he's been hitting shots this season. So I think Lowry is the spot that definitely needs to be upgraded. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think when it agree. comes – yeah, when it comes to Kyle Lowry, I think, like you mentioned, the unit that we're starting with in that fourth quarter, I personally would not let Kyle Lowry come back out after halftime. Like, Whatever he does, good or bad, for the first two quarters, fantastic. I love it. You play badly, it's fine. You did your best. But you stay in that locker room for the third and fourth quarter, brother. (laughs) We're good over here for the next 24 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I think Kyle, obviously he's got a championship caliber mentality, and he puts a lot of effort into the game that he plays. But offensively, we cannot continue to hemorrhage for the first six minutes of every fourth quarter. And we're going to continue to do that if we start Kyle. And, you know, Jay Rich played a lot of those minutes, too. And he's just going to have to continue to work on finding his identity on this team again and figuring out if he can be any kind of offensive value for us. Um, And so starting the quarter off with those two, I just would have much rather had Haywood Highsmith in there. Even Hamie Hawkins is at least going to take smart looks at the basket. Um, But with Kyle, um, just deference and sometimes inability to score effectively and Jay Rich not really knowing what he's going to do out there. Uh, Tyler, you know, does what he can while he's out there, but when he's really the only offensive weapon on the floor, um, it just really limits his options as far as who he can get open because what is he going to get Kyle Lowry and open three look? Is he actually going to take it? Uh, Is Jay Rich going to be able to shoot the ball without turning it over? Like what's going to happen there? Um, And so with that, I think, either an upgrade or just taking his minutes down or at least being smarter with where we put him. Like he really shouldn't be on the floor without Jimmy or Bam. I think he's very effective playing alongside Jimmy and Bam. Um, But I just don't think he fits right there in that specific time when we really need to keep the pressure on offensively. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Go uh, ahead, Kayla. I just want to add real quick that after watching uh, Richardson a couple of games, uh, 
I actually don't think that he's a a better uh, idea to start in that spot instead of Lowry. He's been really ineffective. I, I'm not a big Richardson guy, but he's just been really uh, ineffective. Uh, yeah, so far I agree. The season. Yeah, yeah, it, and it's been having them both out there was really rough. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, the Jay Rich experience has been disappointing so far. There's a shot diet question that i think could help a lot of his issues Mm -hmm. Um, he's taken a lot of like contested 15 footers and there's four to five guys on the roster i'd rather take that shot before him so i i don't know why he isn't just allowing himself to be a spot-up guy i watched a lot of his pelicans and spurs tape after they signed him just to be like okay you're shooting well from three like you look like you had a good year so i wanted to see kind of what it looked like and most of it was just spot-ups maybe one dribble off a pick so i don't know if it's being back in miami where the last time he was here i think he was a 20 point per game score and was the lead guy but you know he's he's not that and he wasn't that on a good team and this is what this Miami team hopes to be so you know the defense activity still looks great um he did have a lot of fouls this game but most of the time his defense looks good so I hope he just is able to find a better role just as a three and d guy I mean I think that would be really helpful for this team but I agree with you guys I feel like preseason I was like Miami's best lineup is going to be you know, featuring Josh Richardson and Caleb Martin instead of Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love. And now I'm kind of like, well, maybe it's Haywood Highsmith and Caleb Martin or Jaime Jaquez and Caleb Martin. Josh Richardson has not come out of the gates firing. So that'll be interesting to watch. Definitely a slight disappointment considering he was basically the only acquisition uh, Miami made this summer other than Thomas Bryant, who has uh, been up and down as well. I don't put it past him to be able to fix it though it seems very mm-hmm. fixable like just a better shot diet focus mm-hmm. more on like i give him a smaller role let him really know what it is i feel like he doesn't know what his role is supposed to be right now mm-hmm. and maybe suppose overlooked it or they're just still trying to see what he can fit into and what kind of different schemes he can fit into but i think uh it will turn around eventually and uh, we definitely will need it to uh if we ever have any challenges with depth if a uh, Caleb continues to struggle to get back healthy, uh, things like that. Uh, Kaylin, I wanted to ask you a little bit back to the Lakers a bit before we move on here. Um, I was watching the game and, you know, not to be a negative Nancy, but sometimes I watch basketball games with my hater glasses on. Like I'm looking for things to hate on. And in particular, I was watching Christian Woods game um, and I was just like, man, I got to find a reason not to like this. But honestly, I feel like he's done pretty well so far for you guys so far. So I was just wondering uh, with this game in the books and him having to play, obviously a bigger role with Anthony Davis being unhealthy and having to come out early. Uh, what did you see from him? Is there anything that you liked anything that you didn't like? Um, I like to see Wood a lot. See what definitely needs to keep playing. Uh, he had some big uh, triples, timely crazy. Um, I think. Without AD, um, I think his effectiveness goes down. Um, when AD went out, my Miami definitely started cooking. Um, so I think Seawood is great next to AD and Braun. Um, you can't start him because we really kind of lose uh, the point of attack defense. But I think he's going to close a lot of basketball games this season. Um, and depending on how this guy, he could even potentially be a part of some closing lineups in the playoffs. He's been really good. Um, so 
yeah, definitely, definitely going to be seeing a lot more uh, Christian Wood. Um, your guy Cam Reddish. Uh, like we didn't talk about him at all. Um, but shout out to Cam. Yeah, I think I think his 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 defense is his is okay, and I mean at this point we're we're really gonna need him for the next probably two weeks or so at least, and he's been holding up okay. He, he just can't shoot. I I just don't think Cam Reddish can shoot. Um, but I, I I'm I'm I've I've been pleasantly surprised with the Cam Reddish experience. So I'll I'll give you some credit. Yeah, no, I get it. He, he definitely leaves more to desire. Um, but in the context of what he was doing in Atlanta, it's like it's refreshing not to see him trying to do too much and just kind of stick into what's been given to him. And so, yeah, ideally you want that shooting to be way better and hopefully he'll be able to, you know, get more comfortable out there as a shooter um, and maybe even be more effective defensively because he's not getting blown by and he's contesting shots well, but you would leave you would like to see him getting more just straight up stops on the defensive end and being a little bit more aggressive there, given his size and athleticism, but lots of effort. And uh, hopefully I'm glad. I think he heard that I was uh, talking so positively about it. So he purposely missed that last shot for us to win that game. Um, and so shout out to you, Cam. I'll continue to sing your praises as we move on into the season. It was an incredible pass from LeBron. So good. It oh, was. Yeah. Is like in the shooter's pocket. I mean, and it's Jimmy and Bam. Like it's, you're going at the two best defenders, and you wrap it around both of them so they can't get a deflection. And yeah, Miami could have lost that game ten different ways. So that was just a, a lucky bounce. But overall, a fun game. Um, there was you know a lot to take away from it from both teams. I think both had good moments and stuff they can build on. So it'll be cool to see how they perform going forward. And to move to our next section, which this could include um, guys from the Heat-Lakers game as well, but we just want to do a quick shout-out section. Um, we have some fun kind of categories we're going to get into later in the show, so we won't be doing as much of a film deep dive this week. So we're just going to do a quick little shout-out section of guys that we're really impressed with the last couple games or maybe or we're worried about, whatever it might be, but just stuff we want to call attention to. So, Lino, I'll throw it to you first. Just over the last few games, what has stood out to you? Is there anybody you want to give a quick salute to? Uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Anthony Edwards. Uh, I watched the end of the Celtics and Timberwolves game. The Timberwolves are having statistically an incredible defensive season so far. Um, they have held, like, I think four of their six opponents to under 100 points. And a couple of the opponents that have gotten over that one was like the Atlanta Hawks who have shown that they can get incredibly hot on offense. Um, but two, um, I, the other games have like gone to overtime. And so there's been more scoring there, um, but they've played some pretty decent teams. And just recently that Boston Celtics teams, which should be a very dominant team in the league right now, given their roster construction and man, they had themselves a ball game and Anthony Edwards in that overtime was just going insane hitting all kinds of shots, um, just really tough shots. Um, and then I stood off with uh, 
Jaden McDaniels ISO uh, mid-range jump. That was just incredible. Um, and so they had a great game. Anthony Edwards had some flashes of just absolute brilliance offensively, uh, get into the cup, shooting from deep, uh, just taking guys one by one from the roster. He just would pick a guy from the Celtics and be like, your turn, here's a bucket, your turn, here's a bucket, your turn. And he just did that for a whole overtime. And it was just really fun to watch. So shout out to him. And um, I don't know if this team is legit or not, but we'll uh, we'll see. And I'm excited to see more highlights from him moving forward. Definitely. And he was guarding. He was guarding Tatum, mm-hmm. guarding Jalen Brown. I mean, in well, he, he's very active. And I think that's why you've seen the Timberwolves defense be so good this year. Is, I mean, if Ant's engaged like that, and you have Jaden McDaniels and Kyle Anderson's a good positional defender and Nikhil Alexander Walker's long and Mike Conley's smart. So, yeah, they've that defense has looked legit. So that's been a fun development. It's also it's funny that uh, the Wolves and the Hawks have both looked so good. It's almost like the year after the big trade has been like when things have started to gel because both those teams were such big disappointments and, and now they're both off to great starts. So, Kaylin, now I'll throw it to you. Did you have uh, any quick shout outs to anybody um, from this last week? Um, yeah, so I said in the very first episode of this of this uh of this podcast that we do that the Toronto Raptors were my irrational confidence team. Uh, so why not do a little check in on them? Uh, they just had an overtime, a comeback overtime victory over the San Antonio Spurs, and uh, a little a little ways back they had a blowout victory over the Milwaukee Bucks which was an impressive win. I don't know how much we can take for that, given that the Bucks defense is pretty atrocious and uh, Dennis Schroeder was getting whatever he wanted and Scotty Barnes was getting whatever he wanted. Um, but the Spurs game was a really good game, and I think it we're seeing flashes that there's very clearly a good uh, a good Raptors team in here, uh, but they're, they're struggling with some of the reliability – and consistency um, factors. Scotty Barnes is a breakout player in the NBA and a breakout player on their team. Uh, I picked him to be the most improved kind of offense of guys, like a made-up kind of uh, award that we did on the show. But he's definitely been that. He's improved in every category. He's uh, scoring in in a myriad of ways. He's shooting 42% from three right now. I think that'll come down, but – um, he just looks really confident, and I think one of the most impressive things about what Scotty's doing is the team is just not optimized in any way um, around him or really any of their players. It's kind of just kind of a, a hodgepodge situation going on, uh, but he's still flourishing. And yeah, shout out to uh, my irrational confidence team that's still fighting. They've been up and down, but they've gotten a couple of big wins. It's clearly a good basketball team in here somewhere. Um, and the main guy I think is Scotty Barnes and he's playing the best basketball of his young career so far. So I'm hoping those guys can prove me right and continue to play good basketball. So shout out to those boys in Toronto. Nice. Yeah. Well said. I, I, it's really fun to see this Scotty emergence happen and I'm excited to get into the film more. I haven't gotten to watch much Raptors, but big fan of Scotty um, coming out of Florida state. So excited to see kind of how he's using his, his size and athleticism to leverage these mismatches and be an efficient scorer and playmaker. Uh, I had a couple quick shout outs. Um, number one, of course, I got to get a heat guy in here. Jaime Jaquez, 
uh, defensively specifically has been super impressive to me. Uh, Spo uh, is, I'd say 90% of his player evaluation is based on defense, which is why you see Nikola Jovic playing zero minutes and you see Jaime Hawkes guarding Jason Tatum, Anthony Edwards, and LeBron James so far this year. So <laughs> Spo has a ton of trust in him. I think it's a great sign. And, and you know, he's a rookie. He's gotten scored on his fair share, but I think he's looked really solid in that department. And my other shout out as uh, an obvious one, if anybody's been keeping up with the NBA the last week or so, but Victor Wimbanyama, uh, after he had that 30 point explosion against the Suns, I I'm, like the next day I was like, okay, I got to watch this. And obviously, you know, the shooting was incredible. The, the play finishing, you know, the lobs are thrown to him that he was able to catch and manipulate and put in the basket was incredible to see. Uh, but there's also just with great players, there's just so few things they're bad at. He had some great passes that just, you know, there's not a playmaking flaw there. Like, obviously, he's not like Jokic, but short roll, he got it, saw shooters open, kicked to Trey Jones, no problem. Uh, high intelligence plays, like high IQ. He was at the top of the key with Eric Gordon on him. I feel like a lot of rookies in his position would try to ISO or back down from there. Nope, kicked it to the wing, went straight to the post, then got the ball back to post up Eric Gordon. So it just made some really impressive, smart plays, along with he's like 7'5 and can get hot from three, which is crazy to think about. So really enjoyed Wimby um, and excited to see how his season continues to go. Um, yeah, I love to see a lot of the uh, reactions. Um, it's just been fun to watch reactions to him across the league because I think it's just going to be that all season long. I don't think we'll ever get used to watching Victor Wembanyama play basketball. We'll be in like year three or four and be like, I can't believe this guy could shoot the ball and can also dunk it from the three-point line. That's a crazy triple threat to have. Um, but yeah, he was really cool. Um, it's fun watching people have conversations about him, not just winning rookie of the year, but nobody wants to say it. <laughs> and so, yeah, shout out to him. Uh, to your, uh, Jaime Hawkins point, uh, I was watching the game last night and there was a moment where he, he was guarding Austin Reeves and I was like, dude, Jaime Hawkins is huge. He's like way bigger than Austin Reeves. I want to go look up how big he was and he's listed at six six two twenty five. Uh, 225. Uh, he's he's pretty big, uh, pretty stout. I think Jaime Hawkins is a real player. He's he he's good. He's uh he's he's just smart defensively. He's he's gonna shine in that scheme that Spo runs, and offensively it's gonna come. He's definitely got skill. It's gonna it's gonna take a little time, uh, but we've seen the flashes. Um, so I'm I I like what I see from Jaime Hawkins. I like him a lot. Yeah, I was pointing out to my wife last night, actually, because she was asking about how old he was. Um, and I realized, you know, Tyler Hero is, I think, 23. Uh, he's been in the league for four years. Hammy uh, Hawkins Jr. is 22 and is <laughs> a rookie. And so this is like a fully baked rookie. Like he's the least rookie you could find in a rookie. And uh, it's showing just from mentality and maturity on the court and just composure. Uh, but I was, I thought it was very uncanny, like how close in age him and Tyler are, uh, even though one's practically a vet in the league at this point. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. Jaime's look great. Anytime a rookie starts really well, I get like this other shoes going to drop kind of feeling. Cause like eventually the scouting reports get out. So anytime he turns it over, I'm like, cool, 
like make some mistakes you're worrying me because things are going too well like please <laughs> please calm down so but no i think jaime's legit um I, I don't think he's a fluke but there could be some guys in the league right now that yes we're, we're worried we're worried you... some of these early impressions might be fluke or fluke adjacent it might be a team it might be a player but that's going to be the first category we're getting into this week is is this a fluke based on these first two weeks of the season some guys have been playing really well some guys have been playing bad what feels real or not to us um, we did this blind to each other so we don't know what the other person's picking so we're all very excited to see kind of who's uh fluking the most so to start i'm gonna throw it to lino and i want to hear all about uh, your fluke or a person you think is not a fluke thank you for throwing it on over here well micah and kaylin's candidates for this position are mostly anonymous i feel like i've been very transparent about who i'm going to be talking about today and that team is going to be the golden state warriors and who are currently third in the Western Conference uh, with a record of six and two. Um, they are having a very strong start to the season. Um, before the other day, they were like first in the Western Conference. Um, right now, they are top 10 in rebounds, top five in assists, eighth in offensive rating, and 12th in defensive rating, which is a great recipe for having a playoff team. And as far as whether or not they are fluke, um, despite my colleagues here um, who may feel differently. Unfortunately, I have to say that they are not a fluke. This team is the real deal. They have everything they need to continue doing this. And so let's break it down a little bit. Um, it starts at the top, obviously. You've got the play from Steph Curry. Uh, right now, he's fourth in points, 12th in efficiency, shooting 47% from three and averaging 36 and four. Um, and the main question you have when it comes to flukiness for any team or individual is, can they keep it up? And so asking if Steph Curry can continue being the greatest shooter in the world like he's done his whole career, I would say, yeah, I think he can keep doing it. I think he can keep shooting it. I think he's in a system with players that allow him to really focus on shooting. And the main thing I want to point to is that right now he's currently averaging 31 minutes a game. So it is not his usage rate is high. Obviously, he shoots the ball a lot, but he is not out there nearly as long as he would be in previous seasons, especially when they highly depended on him. And I think he's going to be able to maintain the incredible scoring season that he's having because he's just that kind of legendary player. Uh, he's a groundbreaking player, always has been through his career, and he's just having another one of those seasons where he is um, doing everything and more for this team. Uh, one part of this that I think is super helpful that allows him to or allows him to lead this team to victory is going to be a little guy I know as Chris Paul. Uh, obviously, there were a lot of questions about whether Chris could or could not help this team win basketball games. Is it a good fit? Is he going to be able to do anything good on this team? Does he hate these guys, et cetera, et cetera? He's fine. He's doing great. He's having a good time. And while he is having the worst shooting season of his entire career, that doesn't seem to matter at all. And that's a good thing. Because it can only go up from here. You can't shoot worse than 12% from the field. It just it just can't happen. So um, right now, he's second in assist ratio. 
fifth in assist percentage and second in assist turnover ratio. Um, obviously, the shooting is not there, but this team, um, it just gets smarter when Chris Paul is on the floor. Um, when Chris Paul is on the floor, they have a plus 16 offensive rating differential when compared to their opponents. And so one of the problems with a team that's uh, heliocentric and led by a guy scoring a lot is that when that guy leaves the floor, uh, the offense completely falls to pieces. But this team, I won't say is better with Steph Curry off the floor, though certain numbers point to that. I think that doesn't really pass the eye test, but this team does play a smarter version of basketball when Chris Paul is on the floor with the bench units. They turn the ball over less and they play actually a stronger defense depending on what lineups he's out there when it comes to people like Looney, Draymond Green, um, Gary Payton, the second, like these guys who are very effective defenders um, with a guy as smart as Chris Paul operating the offense with these players and um, with some shooters, they have been able to really hold the boat afloat when those second units are in, when Chris Paul is running units on the floor and when Steph Curry is on the bench, they don't completely hemorrhage like some of our favorite teams manage to do when their best players leave the floor. And so that has been something that's really positive for them. Another part of it is obviously the shooting from others. And this is one of the shakier points for them when it comes to the fact that uh, the team overall is shooting pretty well this season. Um, they're shooting around 36, 37 percent. Um, but two people who are having a great shooting season are Dario Saric. Uh, he's shooting pretty well. And especially well in the pick and pops with Chris Paul and their ability to have a two man game. That's even anywhere near effective. It's just really important for this team, given all the different off ball actions you can run from that. Um, but also Draymond green is shooting threes again, uh, which is a big help for stretching the floor when he's out there with Kevon Looney. Um, obviously he's not shooting very many, but just the ability to shoot 40% on three or four threes per game can just do so much for this team that has Steph Curry on it. And so with all these different elements and Steph Curry being able to do more for himself and not have to really worry about doing for others um, has led him to have one of his best seasons ever and can continue to do so, so long as they keep up the great play. And again, it's not like Chris Paul is actually playing super well when it comes to the scoring aspect of the game. Uh, he's got a great influence when it comes to how smoothly the offense runs when he's out there. But, you know, if you can imagine him just getting even closer to what his career averages in field goal shooting and three percent three-point shooting then uh we have an opportunity for them to play you can still be very skeptical about this is that they have the 29th easiest strength of schedule um and so you could say it is a bit fluky from that standpoint but ultimately i uh, can't hold that against them they are a team that can only play the teams in front of them and so long as they continue to win and uh, do what they're doing right and clean up some of the shooting from chris paul and some of the others then I think they can continue to ride this out to the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, that is my fluky or non-fluky team. And again, I believe that this is not a fluke. What do you guys think? Kalen, I want to I want to throw it to you first on this. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I was pretty harsh on them after the opening game lost to the Phoenix Suns, which uh, that loss looks worse and worse, by the way. The back-to-back -back losses to the San Antonio Spurs. Um, 
But I do think that the Golden State Warriors know how to win basketball games. I I like I like what I've seen so far. Steph Curry is, um, I mean he he looks as good as he's ever looked. Um, he looks like another guy who might be playing fantastic basketball up into his late thirties, uh, just like LeBron. Um, which is crazy if we get that, but he is not really slowed down at all. Um, so that's always going to be a plus and it's going to make them tough to beat. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Draymond shooting. Uh, Draymond has been shooting the ball. I think that's important uh, for the offense and uh, he, he's been hitting a couple. Um, so I, I like what I've seen. Uh, the, the year that they won 73 games, I think Draymond averaged like 14 points a game and he was shooting like 38% from three that year. Uh, so he was a really solid scorer. Um, so it's good to see that he's getting back to that. And yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of the Chris Paul stuff. Um, although uh, some of the returns ha- have been good, uh, I know his shot isn't falling. Um, but I just think that the Golden State Warriors are not fluky, and I think that they're going to be one of the best teams at the end of the season. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, we know this team; their vets are proven. Um, I haven't gotten to watch a lot of Golden State this year, um, but what I've heard other people talk about has been positive. <clears throat> I did get to watch their OKC game, which was fun, and it was also funny to watch Draymond. Micah, almost. you are such a hater, bro. <laughs> What do you That's mean? so crazy. The one game you managed to tune into was the game where OKC puts up like 130 points on them. <laughs> but Golden State won. Golden State won that game. Steph hit that game winner. Yeah, um, that's true. My main question, Lino, what's going on with Andrew Wiggins? Yeah, um, he is going through one of those Andrew Wiggins phases. I feel like we've seen this time and time in his career where he just doesn't know what kind of player he plans on being moving forward. He doesn't look lost out there per se. Like he's giving effort on defense. He's moving the ball around. He's not making a lot of dumb plays. He's just not putting the imprint on the game that you know he can when it matters. Like uh, in other seasons where they've been successful and made it to the playoffs or deep into the playoffs while he's been on this team, uh, there's been times where either Steph is out or Clay isn't having it, um, that he's been able to step up, make some huge shots, make some huge like playmaking moments. Um and we haven't really seen that. Um, I don't know if that's what the resurgence of Draymond Green being an effective uh, corner shooting and play, doing more playmaking and Chris Paul having the ball a lot more if the ball's just been taken out of his hands and so he feels a little bit more useless out there. But that's definitely a big question mark for them. I think you can look at it optimistically from the point of, um, you know, he can only get better from here and be more effective moving forward. And so if he does find his groove, then these guys are going to look even scarier. Um, but as it currently stands, he just isn't really contributing anything. Like he's not necessarily playing badly um he's not shooting amazing but he's not like making a bunch of bonehead plays out there doing too much uh he's kind of non-existent out there at times when you'd expect him to be able to do more so hopefully they'll be able to get something out of him moving forward and maybe he's just going through a slump to start the season but it's definitely bizarre to watch yeah that makes sense um i i saw last night that he didn't play in the fourth quarter at all Mm. and that you know it's probably 
rarely happened last year um, when he didn't miss all that time. Obviously, he was uh, out for a lot of time last year. So I think you could argue that that speaks well of the Warriors situation, though, that they're playing so well. And Wiggins, who might, you know, you could argue be their third most important player, uh, is, is pretty much struggled out of the gate. So going to be interesting to monitor uh, him going forward. Uh, and with that being said, we can move in to my verdict on a fluke or non-fluke that's been a big part of the early season. And for me, I went with a specific player for mine, and the guy I went with was Chet Holmgren. Um, Chet, it was such an interesting prospect to look at. Um, he, We've never seen a player like Chet. It's funny that he and Wimby came in uh, at the same time They're or close to it. Uh, They're different players, but their frames do kind of make you wonder, like, okay, how does this work in the NBA? And uh, to spoil my fluke or non-fluke early, I think Chet's legit. I think he, obviously, the shooting will come down. I think he's shooting almost 60% from three. Like, you know, he's not going to be that. But I think he is a good shooter. I think there's tape um, from, you know, his U.S. team stuff, you know, pre-college. There's obviously tape at Gonzaga where he shot it well. And then so far in the NBA, he shot it well. What's encouraging to me about Chet more than anything, though, has been his on-the-job learning so far. So if you ever watch Chet, you know it's two dribbles going right or left, and then that spin move is coming. And you could see the first few games that was at the top of the scouting report. He was getting stripped. But again, in that Warriors game I got to watch and in the um, matchup against the Pelicans, there were several times where he tucked that ball a little closer to his chest, he put the elbows out a little more. He's kind of learning where the help is coming from, where the reach is coming from. The other thing I've really liked about Chet's game is how he attacks closeouts. I think that's going to be so important on this driving kick system that Oklahoma City runs. He really reads closeouts well. Obviously, he can shoot it, and that is the easiest option for him is just to knock down a jumper but he's really got a nice dribble drive game against the bent defense. He can play make out of that. He can make the right pass, but also he's really just great at reading a closeout and attacking the direction that the defender is most vulnerable in. So I've just really liked how Chet's been putting everything together. And interestingly enough, the defense is the thing that I think uh, has started a little slower than maybe I would have anticipated. And it's still great. I mean, he's still blocking shots at an amazing rate. Um, And another thing that encourages me about him is he's really – you can tell taking on these challenges and trying to figure them out as they go. In the Pelicans game, Valanchunas in, during stretches were, was brutalizing Chet. I mean, you know, Valanchunas is a rugged low post scorer and so strong, so big. And he and Chet was, you know, struggling with that matchup. But it just, you could see as the game went on, he's like, okay, I know he's going to bump me here. Then I'll have the contest there. He was reading and reacting on the defensive end. And that's obviously never something you really worry about with Chet. Um, you know the defense will be there. So I've just really enjoyed him. I don't think it's a fluke at all. I, I think he's legit good. And I, I think OKC has a huge building block for what will hopefully be a future title contender for them. Uh, I'm a really big Chet fan, man. Chet is awesome. Um, and what I'm looking at right now is he's taking the fourth amount of shots on his team. He's taking 10 shots a game. J-Dub, Jalen Williams is at 12.3. Then Josh Giddy is actually at 13.9 shots a game. Uh, Chet's got to be second on that list. That's crazy. Chet is really nice. He's got to shoot the ball more. They got to get uh, more going his way, uh, using more as a fulcrum. I think he can do a little bit of that as well. Dude has mad skill. Um, 
And defensively, I have a lot of respect for what this dude's doing. They're starting him at center. There's a reason that Pop is playing Zach Collins next to Wimby, and they do a little they do a little Wimby at five, but they play a lot of his minutes next to Zach, and that's for good reason. So I think that it's gonna take some time uh for Chet to kind of get everything together, get his bearings together defensively. But like you said, he's he's picking it up because this kid's got a lot of game, he's got a lot of moxie. Uh so I'm a big, big Chet fan. Yeah, uh, no further notes, honestly. He's awesome. He's going to be great. If anybody would look at this and think it was a fluke, I just would look at them a little sideways because I don't know what you see here from the shooting to the defense uh, to the rebounding that you'd be like, I don't think he can continue to be a rebounder at seven feet tall. Uh, I don't think he can continue to shoot three-pointers like they're free throws um i don't know about that no you look at that and you say it's awesome it's going to be really fun to watch and yeah i think he's going to have a great career moving forward definitely yeah and kaylin you brought up a great point i I wish i would have noted was how much of this is coming at center because that was a question coming in is like would he will he really have to be a four because you need somebody i mean and they're being a good productive team with him playing almost exclusively the five so that's been really cool to see uh, and our final fluke or no fluke question will be for Kalen. So, Kalen, we open the floor up to you. What have you seen that you might be skeptical about or that you're confident in? Uh, okay, let me just say, you guys definitely played it safe. A little disappointed. Uh, <laughs> picking the the Dynasty Warriors. No, we don't think they're a fluke. They're the Warriors. And, and then, Chet, I mean, come on. All right, time for C times to get a little spicy. Let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks, guys. <laughs> okay, uh, what are these guys like? Six and one. Yeah, they're six and one. Uh, so let's let's go over their schedule real quick. They opened up at San Antonio. That was a win. They they play Brooklyn in Dallas. Win at Memphis. Win uh, first Chicago. Win at Denver. Their only real game. They lost by a million points, and then they kind of came back. Came back at the end because it was an in-season tournament game, and they kind of you know wanted to lead the starters in because the way the in-season tournament works is it's a uh, group play, and you don't want to get blown out because that can come into a factor of you know point differential, yada yada yada. So they came back and made it look a little closer, but it was not close. Um. And then after that, they played the Hornets when they played at Orlando, uh, which they won as well. And then next up, they have the Toronto Raptors. Are you kidding me? Um, that's a crazy schedule open. That's that's that that is that is a crazy schedule open. They haven't really played anybody. They played one team and they lost by a million. So I think let's pump the brakes. On this team, this this is my comp for the Mavericks, guys. They are the Miami Dolphins of the NBA. Okay, they're gonna be they're gonna beat bad teams by a million points uh, because of the way their team is set up, and that's very fine. They're gonna win some regular season games. Uh, They have uh, they have a good team, but I would love to at least get to see them play some of the more uh, top teams in the league before we start crowning them as one of the top teams. But if I can borrow uh, something from my favorite, like sports media person, Nick Wright, um, I don't care about the standings. Okay. If you want the standings, 
can go to some newspaper stand or some hotel, grab you a USA Today, can open up the sports section, and they'll have the NBA standings for you. And then you'll see the Mavericks right up at the top. And that's fine. But I'm, you know, I'm watching the games and, uh, you know, I have my, you know, I'm not that I'm an expert, but I have my own little evaluation process or whatever. And I'm thinking long term, I'm thinking about playoff viability. Um, and I'm looking at the the caliber of the win. And I think that the Mavericks are not a bad team, but the six and one on mostly bottom feeders in the NBA. Nobody has played a schedule like this. This is crazy. So I think they're a bit flukish. That's my take. That's a take, by the way, guys. That's how you deliver a take. <laughs> that was fair. That's fair. I did I did play it safe. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> we know the well, Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> well, look, you guys were incredibly negative on the Warriors when, when the first like three episodes of this pod, we took a, literally a 15-minute segment on are they actually good? Does Steve Kerr's <laughs> system actually work? Like, come on. <laughs> Coming into this space and saying the Warriors aren't a fluke felt pretty dangerous to me. Um, but I get it. I hear you. And I think I understand what you're saying, Kalen. Uh, that schedule is kind of crazy. Um, I think the only thing I would say is that they're getting good play out of the players that they've picked up. And that momentum can really matter for guys who really need to figure out what they're going to do pretty fast. And especially if people like uh, Derek Lively, who is shown to be pretty good so far, he's uh, definitely given them what they need from that center position as far as boards and uh, lob threats. And so guys like him, guys like Grant Williams, who are trying to get accustomed, Josh Green trying to build a bigger role, uh, playing up to 27 minutes per game now. Uh, This easy schedule is definitely helping them uh, bolster those roles. And that should allow them to have a little bit more of an identity as they roll into the harder parts of their schedule because it'll all balance out eventually. Um, And like you said, they're not a bad team, but we'll really just have to see what happens moving forward and what kind of drama inevitably pops up with the Dallas Mavericks at game 32. So we'll find out. Yeah, no, that's well said. I'll definitely be interested to see how Dallas proceeds. I was pulling up their cleaning the glass page and they have – Looks like they have four guys shooting 39% or better from three right now with Josh Green, Tim Hardaway Jr., Grant Williams, and Luca. with Grant Williams shooting almost 55% from three. So that's definitely something that you could categorize as flukish. Um, Kalen, don't answer this if you don't want to, but if you had to... Con- <laughs> What kind of question is this? (laughs) I just want to put you on the spot. But as you were talking, I wondered, how would you contextualize how you think they'll end up versus their perception right now? Like a lot of people, I think, like you're saying, are seeing them as like top tier of the West. Whereas I think in your playoff prediction or our seeding predictions, you had them closer to like six or seven. So is that kind of where you're at? Like you think people are getting ahead of their skis and they will be a lower tier playoff team? Do you think they'll average out at four or five and then is it really the regular season you're even concerned with or is this mostly you have playoff questions um so i had them 11th yeah i was uh, like i'm pretty sure you had them at 10 or 11 i had, right. him, I had them 11th yeah that's right. um man I, I i do think it matters if you start off with a schedule like this and rattle off some wins uh get some confidence going i do think that matters um but I'm just not going to jump off my take. 
I feel like I've been nailing a lot of these things so far. I, I've had some misses. I think I think uh, I did overreact uh, to that first game. Golden State um, played, but I mean, we'll, we'll see. They did give up 140 points to the OKC without Shea, and it took a game winner to beat the Kings. Hey, shout out to at, Case and Wallace. It took a game winner to beat the Kings at out who the the same kings the same kings team without Darren Fox just lost back to back games to the Rockets. Uh so we'll see if I'm overreacting about the Warriors or not. They've kind of played nobody as well. So we'll, we'll see but um yeah, I I think that uh the Mavs will mm, I still say that they're not going to be a top 6 team. Definitely not. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I think that definitely does put them in the flute category. So that makes sense to me. Uh, so that wraps up the fluke segment. Um, that pretty much just became a Kalen segment because me and Lino <laughs> are uh, fluke frauds. So we, pol- <laughs> we apologize. <laughs> uh, but for our next fun little category, we're doing character comps. We thought this would be a fun way to discuss some things we've seen recently. So essentially what we'll be doing and it, you know, we all could have interpreted it different ways, but we'll be using a character um, in pop culture uh, that we'll use as a comp to a recent NBA player's performance or just kind of how we've interpreted what they've gone through, whether it's this season, career, long-term. So player comps is kind of the idea, uh, just calling it character comp. So it'll be with you know, somebody in pop culture that we think is cool or interesting. So, Lino, I'm excited to throw it to you to start. Uh, who is your character comp? Excellent. And so, for me, uh, I am a big anime fan. I watch a lot of anime. I read a few mangas out there. Um, and one of my favorite animes is Attack on Titan, which recently had its uh, grand finale aired uh, this past weekend. I haven't watched it yet. Um, still excited for it. I'll try to keep this spoiler free for anybody who hasn't seen AOT just yet. But my character comp today is going to be Cam Thomas. And I am comparing him to Levi Ackerman. And so let me break this down for you. Cam Thomas is having a great start to the season right now. Uh, Let me see here. He's averaging 28 points two assists and four rebounds and this is where i make the connection because this guy is putting up 30 bombs everywhere um, and he's just a pure scorer and levi ackerman is just a pure killer he just goes out there he's not exceptionally skilled in the attack on titan world you know you've got all these people with these powers some people can be titans all these titans have different powers not levi ackerman He's got his blades, and he's going to spin the block one time, <laughs> two times, three times, again and again until the job is done. And that's what Cam Thomas does. He's not crashing the boards. He's not getting guys open. He's not running the pick and roll. He's out there getting buckets. He's going to shoot it, and he's going to keep shooting it. And he's not even necessarily going to do anything particularly well to get good looks. Like, he's not creating space. He doesn't have a deep bag or handle that's super exceptional he's going to shoot a contestant shot and he's going to make it and he's going to put up 30 whether you like it or not uh and that's the same with levi ackerman you know he doesn't have those powers but he's got the ability to just get out there and 
put up numbers when it comes to slaying Titans. Uh, another facet of this that I think is very interesting is that um, this is a bit of a spoiler, but as you watch the show, you'll start to realize, well, one, nobody really gets to win anything, but Levi Ackerman in particular, though he is very skilled at what he does, has not really won anything in the entire show. In every battle he goes into, pretty much all of his closest friends and family perish <laughs> in some capacity. And he'll kill like 10, 20, 30 Titans and still come back with like two of his friends. And so he, while he is incredibly talented and he does what he does very well, it's not super effective to the goal of why they're going out there to kill Titans to begin with. And so with that being said, Cam Thomas, uh, and Caitlin brought this up last year in our Discord, uh, Cam Thomas put up like three 40 bombs uh, to, to start his like career. And they didn't win a single one of those games. And even now, the Brooklyn Nets, though he is out there scoring like crazy, are still struggling to put together wins for many different reasons. But I thought it was a very succinct comparison to how Levi is very skilled at what he does, though it does not necessarily affect the team in a super positive way all the time. I love that. But yeah. What do you guys think? That's very That's cool. very clever. I like how you uh, uh, spent it. Because uh, at first I'm like, now I, I like Levi. He's he's really cold. He's one of the coldest people. In the oh, show. oh, wait, 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 wait. I actually am missing out. The most important part is that Levi Ackerman is also very unemotional with his approach to everything. He doesn't really show a lot of emotions. Even when he's super angry, he's not like his face doesn't get super angry. It's always very like stale um, and like very plain faced. And I don't think I've seen Cam Thomas like react excitedly to anything ever. He doesn't really look like he's excited to be out there. He's not like getting super emotional. It's just very stone-faced killer, uh, Kawhi Leonard-esque um, approach to basketball. And that's another comparison. But yeah, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, no, I, I was I was going to say that uh, at first, yeah, I was like, no way, you know, Levi, you know, he's he, he's cold as hell. It's one of my favorite characters. Uh, but it actually is a fair criticism when you stop to think, well, how effective is Levi? He's not making any ground. Although <laughs> he does kill many Titans, he's not effective in achieving any overarching goals, uh, which is a fair criticism to also apply to Cam Thomas. Uh, he does not win any of those big games that he has. <laughs> um, so <laughs> maybe both of them should go back to the drawing board. Maybe it's too late for one of them. I haven't finished the show. <laughs> Yeah, I, I loved it as well. It's a great comp. Um, also, compared to their peers, you know, short in stature, the average mm -hmm. NBA player is like six seven. Cam Thomas is definitely below that, and you know, it's uh it's been noted how small Levi is. Um, I also, uh, if you would allow me to add, I Please. as you were saying it, it occurred to me, you know, Levi is uh, a scout, and there have been all these scouts before him that have you know tried to get everyone outside of the walls and reach freedom and it kind of reminded me that cam thomas is along the lines of all these bucket getters of the past you know whether it's jr smith or jamal crawford or jordan crawford you know he's he's really carrying that torch in the in the same way levi's carrying the scout regiment so beautifully done oh yeah yeah that thank you guys for those additions 
uh, makes a lot of sense to me, and I hope our listeners can also appreciate it. If you haven't watched Attack on Titan, I highly recommend it. Um, but once you start it, make sure you watch all of it or read all of it immediately, because once your TikTok algorithms find out that you're watching Attack on Titan, they're <laughs> going to start showing you every spoiler known to man. Yep. So you're going to want to just really push through that in like a weekend before mm. you ruin it for yourself altogether. <laughs> That's a great call. And if your friend sends you Attack on Titan TikToks, don't open them because the algorithm <laughs> reads that too and it'll start showing you stuff. But it's yeah, watching you. It knows. Yes, yeah. But amazing show. Yeah, definitely co-sign that. Definitely check it out. Um, Kalen, it is now time for your character comp. What did you come up with? Um, so, uh, I had to I had to reach back in the gap for mine um, to probably my all-time favorite uh, character and the person who probably actually affected my life and my personality, and that is uh, Will Smith's portrayal of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh <laughs> I really oh, love that I like show. where we're going here. I love that show when I was growing up. I still love it. I have all the DVDs in my house. They're useless, but <laughs> I have them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I really loved Fresh, uh, the uh, the Fresh Prince Will who played Will Smith, um, and the NBA player who I am gonna use as a comp is Anthony Edwards. Uh, who I think is the Fresh Prince of Minnesota. Uh, He is similar to that character in so many ways in terms of how just cool he is. He's the suave, confident, uh, handsome guy. He's like uh, cool under pressure, like when he wants to be, but at heart, he's really a goofy dude, likes to joke around. And I always liking back to my favorite thing about that character will play was no no matter how bad the situation no matter how much trouble that will was in he would just keep firing off jokes and i would just be like yo you gotta stop joking well like uh <laughs> uncle phil is about to put you in the ringer he would just keep making jokes and i, I think about like anthony edwards like in interviews or in press conferences like you know you're supposed to be like professional to a certain degree but he's just always gonna be his happy-go-lucky self he's a great interview um and just the way he's playing on top of the world right now, I thought it was really apt. Um, so yeah, shout out to Anthony Edwards, and uh, I thought I uh, really wanted to make that comparison. That's perfect. Yeah, when you said Fresh Prince, Ant was the first player I thought of. Dope, so dope, perfect. Dope. <laughs> yeah, you know that's really funny because I think it goes a little bit further because you have Anthony Edwards as the Fresh Prince of Minnesota and then you have Carl Anthony Towns who like really fits this like Carlton character (laughs) (laughs) Carl Towns you know he's a bit of a (laughs) cornball but to a certain degree I don't know how many people find Cat lovable but at certain times I can find him endearing in his corniness I'm like he's trying to be cool Mm -hmm. at least and it's funny to watch sometimes Uh, Carlton's a talented guy he's very smart Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is a talented basketball player despite um, his attempts to be cool Um, and yeah I think that was a really great comparison I also I grew up watching 
uh, the Fresh Prince and used to just wa- stay up late watching its syndicated episodes out of order yes. on TV yes. all the time. I get yes. like part one of one episode and then it would be a whole other segment in the next episode. And <laughs> I'll never know what's going to happen until I get that part two episode. <laughs> uh, oh, man. man, that is great. Yeah, I love that. And it's it's funny, like I was watching that uh, Timberwolves Celtics game and obviously I like I don't love the Celtics as an Eastern Conference rival, but I definitely noticed myself pulling for and and the Wolves, which I don't really like the Wolves either. But Ant's just so cool and he's such a likable personality. And I think that's makes the Fresh Prince comp perfect that, you know, he could win over almost anybody because he's, you know, just fun loving, but he also excels at the things he's good at. So I, I think that's great. It also I am too old to totally understand this like aura thing that the young guys are calling like players they like now they're like oh that aura is crazy but when i was watching ant last night i was like this must be what they mean this this dude's so cool well i'm i'm really old i have not i have never heard of that what is uh, is that what the kids are saying i've seen it a couple times The, the gen z kids are uh, I guess it's kind of. I imagine it's something like honestly anime related. Like, yeah, a like person it. just has like this energy around them, kind of like yeah. like a One Piece, like conquers hockey and stuff like that. Um, but I'm like, I feel like I can see it on the horizon, but I just feel myself getting further and further from understanding the youths. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the same way. Well, yeah, that's a great comp. Um, and that moves us uh, into our final comp, which is me. Um, and I went with uh, another anime comp, uh, which I went with a protagonist from Demon Slayer, Tanjiro Kamado. Mm. And Tanjiro is just a beautiful, sweet boy that has had the worst of things <laughs> happen to him. Uh it's it's very early in the show, so I don't think this counts as a spoiler, but essentially his whole family is murdered while he's like out running some errands, uh, except for his sister, who's turned into a demon, like monster. It's it's a terrible situation. And uh, and for most people, that would be a villain origin story. That would be like, OK, this is how the supervillain was created. You know, the worst things possible happened to him. And instead, uh, Tanjiro uh, keeps his lighthearted outlook on life. He's still kind to everyone, and his virtues are really strengthened by this adversity. And so I was thinking about him, and I was thinking about an NBA player that has been put through so much, just on the NBA scale, not real life scale, but on the NBA scale, so many hardships in terms of their career, and especially trade rumors. And that started making me think of Tyler Hero. <laughs> so this summer and and honestly all the other summers of his career all the other summers of his career Tyler Hero's in trade rumors and Tyler Hero's a good player and Tyler Hero probably thinks he's a notch above even probably what he actually is so I'm sure for him it's a real hit to his ego to be in these rumors every off season and this season this off season specifically was probably the hardest because the superstar damian lillard was asking to come to miami it was clear that the two best players on the team his tyler's teammates jimmy and bam were co-signing this move they're like yes do this and that basically guaranteed tyler would be moved so any i shouldn't say any a lot of other players in that situation would be like forget this dude like, I, I don't want to be a part of this organization. I'm going to have a bad attitude. 
It's, it's going to be an FU attitude towards my teammates, towards the coaches, towards the front office. And, and they might not have even worked that hard over the summer. They're like, I, I might be in Brooklyn. I might be in Portland. I don't care, whatever. And Tyler, I think, channeled all this negative energy in to what seems to be a super productive summer. He's off to an awesome start this season. And it's not just that he's off to an awesome start scoring the ball you could argue that's still him kind of being selfish but it's the best passing i've ever seen from him it's the best defense i've ever seen from him so team related things he's still focusing on and he gave this great quote i believe it's the miami herald but he said by the end of the year you know he knows there's trade rumors every summer and he hopes by the end of this season he's regarded in the same way that bam is to where the front office won't include him in trade talks and i just thought that was so cool that might be unattainable but for that to be his goal, rather than him being like, ah, forget everybody, like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Um, he's been organizing like team activities, like when they're in Milwaukee, where he's from, they had like a game night that everybody attended. So, you know, when the Blazers in Miami turned their back on him over the summer, Tyler Hero took all that energy and, and set his heart ablaze and became the best version of himself. Um, wow, that's so good because. You know, Tondro goes through so many different training regimen segments in the show where he like is just like trying to slice a rock in half. Uh, and we got over the different summaries with Tyler Hero. We always get at least one clip of him with some punching bag going crazy, doing <laughs> yeah. punching bag, doing all kinds of aerobics and stuff. And so that's very apt. Um, I think that his uh his outlook on life and maybe the impossibleness of his goal uh really do align well with Tanjiro as far as you know Tanjiro is gonna try and go kill this demon king creature uh that killed his whole family um and we don't really know how attainable that's gonna be uh Tyler wanting to be a mainstay and uh untradeable asset for the Miami Heat as much as I love Tyler and I don't want to trade him I don't I think next year if he plays any better than he's definitely gonna get traded uh but uh we'll see what happens but i love that comp i love that show as well and yeah i love tyler hero i think he's having an amazing season yeah tyler hero does give me uh like those karate kid vibes like he, he was like picked on <laughs> but he he like used it to like get in the lab and go harder than ever and then he returns to face those bullies who picked on him and kicks their ass <laughs> it's like yeah tyler um to kind of wrap up if you guys want to i also wanted to ask you guys what your actual basketball playing experience has been like you know what it was like either in school or just like pickup nowadays kind of what your experience level has been what maybe some of your favorite moments were and then my favorite question to ask anybody is who is your pickup game nba comp so kaylin i'll throw it to you first on this one um so in high school, I, I, I was really a football player and kind of just wanted to focus on that. I did play AU for a little bit, and it was not a great experience. AU is really a mess, and my my AU story um, is the the first the first week. I, I think we really only had like one or two practices before our, our first tournament, and we were not a great team. Uh, we, we were okay, but we had this uh, one really good player who was going to, like, kind of just save the team. And he, he practiced with us. He was 
seemed like a cool dude or whatever. Man, he was really good. And then come time for the tournament, this dude is playing on a different team, and he's playing against us. <laughs> what? <laughs> how does that? Why, why, why did you practice with us? And then like, looking back, I really think that he was like, "Oh, these guys suck. I'm not gonna hoop with them." And he went to go play on a better team, and they whooped our ass. Oh no. Uh, so that was really rough. We actually played them twice, and we, we we like played them close one time, and it was it really felt like we were kind of fired up. Like, bro, what the heck? Uh, and it was a close <laughs> game, but they beat us. And then the next game, like reality kicked in, and we lost by like thirty. It was it was bad. Uh, but AAU is just no structure, bro. I don't. I, I'm not not a fan. Um, but I I was I would say to be honest, I was not the best then. I. I was at my peak in college when oh, Kalen um, was crazy cold out there. Yeah, I wasn't. Well, when I, by the time I got to Texas A&M, I really was not even that nice anymore. I started off uh, when I graduated high school. I went to Sam Houston State and we used to hoop every day, like seven days a week. Uh, we was always in the gym and I used to wake up early before class and I used to go as soon as the rec opened to have it by myself and I would call it morning shoot-arounds, and I would literally go shoot because I knew I was going to be in the gym later. I, I wanted to be already warm, ready to go. So that that like all that all that shooting by yourself, eventually your, your shot just get nasty. And I had like a high arcing jumper, so I prefer deeper shots. Uh, and because of that, you know, people were like, oh, he's standing too far back. You know, we're not going to. So you can really just get open threes all day, and I would just be cashing them. So I was like a three and D guy in college. Uh, I would say like Isaiah uh, Isaiah Joe for the OKC Thunder, like nothing crazy, but you know I, I'm gonna hit some triples if you leave me open, and uh, I have reasonable athleticism. I'm, I'm a hustle and be smart, but I'm really out there trying to get some catch and shoot opportunities. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No. Um. As far as my basketball career has been uh it was very short-lived um i did play in elementary school we had the upward league and we all me and micah uh micah did you play an upward actually mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and so my stepdad was the coach of the team so i got to play point guard that's where i pulled out that behind the back dribble for a while and then <laughs> i played in middle school and that's kind of when i realized i wasn't good i was not a good basketball player i didn't realize really anything about what plays were or what I was supposed to be doing out there at any point in time. I really can't remember anything I ever learned in practice except running around. Um, and yeah, I played, I think on the B team for the most part in middle school, um, got out there one time against uh, Bluntstown um, and got a concussion at midcourt going for like a, a cherry picking pass. I just jumped up to go get it landed on my head was out for like a couple weeks. Um, that's probably the highlight of my career was that game. And that's in the B team, like fifth quarter that they let us play after the regular game is over. Um, and then I got to high school and moved to Texas and went to a 5A school. And I showed up to basketball practice my freshman year. And they were like, okay, freshman, you guys are running suicides for the first four weeks. And I was like, I think I'm going to go join the theater, actually. And so I just stopped playing organized <laughs> basketball after that. I was like, this is not joining the First of all, these people are huge, and they want me to run forever, and I'm just, I'm not doing it. And so from that point on, it was mostly recreational with friends um, after school and things like that. 
uh, in college, I met a lot more friends who played basketball, uh, like Kaylin, uh, Softby, uh, Dariel, Jaren, uh, folks who hooped a lot more in organizational stuff, but like to play hoops at the park and stuff like that and at the rec center. And so got to do that for a while. And that was where I was at least able to like enjoy it casually. Um, I'd probably say I went through two eras as far as player comps. There was an era uh, where I was probably most like J.R. Smith, um, just locked in athletically, but just shooting shots. I really had no business shooting, <laughs> um, but hitting some pretty good ones, like hitting some important shots. Like I would go one for eight from three, but hit so many game winners just because <laughs> it's like, hey, if I touch this ball, it's going up. I just want you to know that. Um, <laughs> but then my career quickly pivoted to like a Ben Simmons comp where one i started dislocating my shoulder like crazy almost every time i played basketball Just injured <laughs> all the time i was injured dude i i've probably dislocated my soldier shoulder three or four times on the basketball court just from going for a rebound trying to like uh dig in for a steal and someone swipe by me it just pop out um all kinds of random things. That might and be so, a medical thing, for real. Yeah. <laughs> to like, be honest, had, that don't sound normal. <laughs> is, yeah, you know, Ben Simmons also had, yeah, he was having issues. And so, uh, but from there, I just um, had to play super cautiously. I'm a sneaky, good passer. Like, I know how to find the pockets, and I'm always looking for open guys. And still have the athleticism. I really don't shoot anymore because – uh, I just haven't practiced enough and I'm always injured when it comes to playing. And so that's probably my best comp these days. Uh, what about you, Micah? Yeah. So for me, I got to play on what I think was a pretty good, like rural basketball team um, here in Wewahichco. We have about uh, 1200 people uh, in this town. So we don't produce a shout out to Wewa. Yeah. Shout out to Wewa. We don't produce a ton of great basketball teams. Um, but my senior year, I was a starter and we went 18 and eight. And that's, I think, the best record in the last like 10 or 15 years. So it felt like that's a big so cold, by the way. That's so cold. <laughs> it felt like a big accomplishment uh, in the moment. Uh, so we won the uh, school's first ever Christmas tournament, I believe. So that was that was something. Um, but I think probably the most valuable basketball experience I ever had this is probably you guys are allowed to laugh at this but i was able to be on the practice team for the local junior college and i learned so much and i got to play with guys that went on to d1 played in the ncaa tournament i played with uh, four or five guys that played professionally overseas so got to learn a lot from them just about like the the levels that there are and, and the things you can and can't do with uh, elite players on the court. Um, I got to throw lobs for the first time in my basketball career. I'd never really had anybody that could dunk. And we had one guy that was like, uh, he was seven foot. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but it was also hell because uh, I had to get up at like 4.30 every morning to be there for practice. And uh, it was not a long-lived experience. But those four or five months were awesome. And uh, I got to learn a lot. That's crazy. I didn't so, know that. That's so awesome. Yeah, bro, it was cool. That's Bro, that's incredible. And bro, that's nothing to laugh at or sneeze at. Organized basketball is a different sport sport than just pick up I mean, the same thing it's nothing nothing yeah. about it is the same uh so to play 
uh, at a collegiate level, I don't care what is D1, D2, 1AA, whatever, NAIA, I don't care what it is. It's super impressive. Uh, so, damn. Shout out to you, bro. You well, and, and to be clear, it was the practice team. It was I don't not, care. not on the roster. So I, just, I don't Still like, awesome. Because I know my <laughs> Still sister's very listening. Cool. And, like, he did not. He was not on that team. Like, so. <laughs> but it was a crazy story. I, you know, I fit, like, you know, I didn't play AAU or anything. We didn't even really have that here. So I got done like my senior year and I was like, okay, well now I want to play college basketball. Like how, how does this happen? And everybody's <laughs> like, that had to have started way back. And I was like, oh man. So I went to Florida state. I was just in Tallahassee doing college. And my dad just had a friend. He's actually just like the English professor at the local college, but he knew the basketball coach. And he was like, there's a kid that like wants to try out. And so I transferred from Florida state to like a junior college just to be on the practice team. Damn. Dedicated. So, that's, yeah, that's I did that so for crazy. Like a year and then went back to Florida state. Um, and, and- and 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 just to like clarify, like to be on a practice team, you still gotta know how to run sets and, and give a reasonable look. Like you still yeah. gotta know how to play, yeah, like, organized basketball at a reasonable level. Like you gotta be pretty damn good, better than most people who have ever thought about playing. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it was it was a really cool experience. Um, and and yeah, as far as comps, um, I like to think I'm scalable. Like if I'm playing with really good players, like in a situation like that, then I am like strictly Kyle Corver. I'm just spotting up. If y'all get doubled, I'm here. If not, I'm just I'll try <laughs> and grab double. a rebound. Uh, but pickup, I would say I love or I used to, I don't as much now, but I used to love studying film of my favorite players to try and emulate things they do. And so the guys I always studied um, were just like score first shooting guards. Obviously, Dwayne Wade's my favorite player of all time. Um, Watched a lot of Joe Johnson Um, later, watched like a lot of Devin Booker in his early Phoenix days. Um, But my I feel like the. Uh, most accurate portrayal has to come from an outside source because obviously I think I'm, you know, all those guys when I play. But my basketball coach, my senior year, who also follows the NBA really closely, he would like give us all comps and like our point guard is a great defender. He's like, you're like Avery Bradley. And he would like give us all these comps. And when he got to me, he was like, Dion Waiters. Oh my god! <laughs> I like I like to get him up. I can't yeah. lie. I, I I've yeah. tried to get better at passing and other things. Um, but I like to shoot. I'll do some driving kick. Uh, but yeah, I like to score the rock. So that's if it's if it's a situation where I'm like in the top three to four players on the court, I'll, I'll be getting them up, no doubt. And, and, and see, to be honest, that's why I don't like. I, I see. I should have said my my player comp was Cam Reddish because I just want to. I just want to play on a team where I'm the star. And that team <laughs> would be trash, but I, I don't care. I just want to. I just want to handle the rock. Like, I'm not a very good ball handler, so I want to be the best ball handler on the team. So my team not going to yeah. be very good, but I want to dribble the ball up the court because I want to make the decision if I could just shoot a pass. So I just want to play on lousy teams so I could be the star. Yeah, no, it's it's a freeing thing to realize when you're an adult because when you're growing up, especially when you still have dreams to keep playing, you're like, I got to play the best people at all times. I got to be going up against the best. And at one point when I was like 25, I was like, why don't I just go to pick up when the bad guys play? Yes. I was like, I can, I can just go be, be a, a hero. star. Like, like I can just. <laughs> like, I mean, and these just guys go out like, there against a bunch of me's out there. Yeah, yeah. Like, why, I'm why? struggling against the bad people, and then yeah, like people I, like I'm my kid get, shows up. 
Yeah, I'm having to get MRIs on my knees because, like, I'm having to slide and chase around like these college athletes. Like, no, nah, I'm going to go play with dudes that played, like, maybe in middle school. I'm going to just <laughs> have fun. So, But to be honest, guys like you ruin the pickup session for guys like me, bro. Whenever I'm a hooper and there's somebody who played a little Juco pulled up, I'm like, ah, oh, come on, bro. We're just trying to have a nice casual yeah. day. <laughs> come in here, putting the ball, doing all this James Harden stuff. Come on, bro. It definitely levels for sure. I feel like especially with like, like I'm not like a physically opposing player. Like I can drive and stuff. I'm like six foot, like 180. I'm not like big. And so I definitely felt that whenever like somebody's like six, six comes in it's like, bro, oh, like three man. of us are going to guard you, I guess. Like, what, what are we about to do? Like, you know, like just alters the whole flow. Man. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's our, that's our hoop life essentially. Um, I still try and uh, play pickup. I used to play like way too much. Now I play, I try and get out there two or three times a week, just try and stay in shape. I've tried running and biking and all kind of other forms of cardio, but I, I really detest them all. So I just keep playing basketball to try and try and stay in shape. So, but yeah, that's basically our show. Um, really appreciate you guys rocking with us for this episode. This was episode six of Irrational Confidence. Um, again, we did a little bit of a different format this time. It's from fun categories, fun questions. We'll continue to do a mix of game breakdowns, things standing out to us, but also try and mix in fun things like this as well. Um, please check out all the socials, Irrational Confidence Podcast on YouTube, Irrational Confidence Pod on TikTok. We've been putting out some really fun TikToks lately. Definitely want you guys to check those out. Um, and we'll be back next week with another episode as well as a new episode of Homer's Podacy. For Lino Kalen, I have been Micah, and thank you for tuning in.